Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. This is Season 8, Episode 57. I'm your co-host, Key. And I'm your co-host, Coach P. And we want to take this time to welcome our new listeners and followers to the show. We're really glad to have you. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you go back and listen to some of our previous episodes from our last season. But right now, this is Season 8, and we're back in full effect. You heard? Facts. We in the building, baby. Yeah, I'm, I'm still <laughs> low-key riding off the high from our Unapologetic Art Expo. It was such an amazing event, and I was so shocked and amazed by the turnout. I loved it. It was amazing, and I'm glad that we're speaking to that point Amaze about balls. our show. It was balls. <laughs> speaking of balls. Ow. <laughs> you know how I get. Oh, God. <laughs> Leading up to the event. It was really hard and challenging doing the event. Please keep in mind, behind the scenes activities, y'all don't really get to see, but Coach P and I, we've been meeting up about twice a week early in the mornings, making sure this event is planned out to perfection. And it was just an amazing um, concept that we followed through on. I, I'm going to keep it 100. You know, I, I like to keep it real. Mm-hmm. Coach P had came to me about this idea. I'm like, yo, we should do an art show. And I was just like, um okay (laughs) planning and you know and i'm the type of person i'm gonna keep it 100 when i put on an event i get anxiety because i'm always worried about people having a good time i want to create an ambiance i want people to have fun and that was my whole premise about it coach p was just like listen we're gonna put on an event it's gonna be dope regardless of the fact but i get anxiety regardless if it's like something big like this or if it's for like a birthday event or something personal i'm always considering other people's feelings i want to make sure they're having a good time so leading up to it i was a tad bit nervous but thank god i had coach p by my side so he he alleviated that along the way so that was really good in terms of the build-up of it i think for me like when we started selling tickets like literally the first week we was at like 10 tickets i was like all right and like the (laughs) week later we was at 60 and i was like oh we gucci this is about to be sold out so i was fine with that and it's so funny because leading into the event I felt like we kind of switched roles. Yeah. Can you speak to that, Coach P? Yeah. In the beginning of the event, I was very cost conscious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a fine being, being Also known as being a cheap Haitian. <laughs> <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> and Keanu's like, yo, we about to rent out an elephant. And <laughs> we're going fi- to have fire dancers. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> where's the budget? <laughs> like, bro. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna need you to bring that down just a little bit, just a little bit. And then to buy by like the week before the event, I'm like, yo, like, the, the, the checkbook is open. Whatever we gotta do, whatever we gotta buy, we're making this happen. And Keanu's like, easy, easy, easy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what makes us great. We have that balance. We're always balancing each other out. No, it's really true. And then also the turnout of the event, we did sell out like the day before, yeah. which is pretty dope. We extended the tickets yeah. and we sold out with those tickets as well. People were purchasing at the door. It was just so beautiful to see it all come together and just see, like, the amount of people that were there. It was just an amazing experience. I'm still, like, on a high from it because I'm just like, yo, this shit was pretty dope. Yeah, honestly, I've never done anything like that before. So it was pretty dope to just have that idea and kind of just us actually manifesting it and making it actually happen. So it, it just... It actually just it's getting me excited for what we're going to be doing together in the future. And just knowing any ideas that I may have, like the biggest thing is just 
putting pen to paper and start taking action. Just start going on it. If you have an idea, something that you want to do, a lot of times people just think about it, trying to get everyone's opinion instead of just mm-hmm. running with it. Like not everyone's going to see your vision or have that same mindset that you have and what you're trying to accomplish. So just take that ideas that you have and just run with it and just see what happens. Coach P dropping gems before his segment. Check that out. (laughs) Okay. But no, it's it's honestly to to your point, that's very valid too. And then also like one thing I want our listeners and followers to understand is that when you have an idea and you want to put it to to light, follow it through it's about consistency and perseverance and despite the no's that you may get or the obstacles that you may face follow through on it this wasn't an easy event to put together the concept that we had in mind a black owned art exhibition black artists black art um the hors d'oeuvres curated by <laughs> black owned restaurant which was local it was literally black nile restaurant which is within 10 minutes away from the art exhibition and also to having the drinks curated by black owned spirits company based out in Harlem. So that's was to put our like vision together and to see it like follow through was an amazing thing, you know, but also too, it's just as those people out there who have ideas and things that they want to do follow through on it. It may not be easy at first. It may be a bit of obstacles in the beginning stages, but so what like overcome it and definitely be consistent in it. And this event showed us a lot about who we are as individuals, but not only that, as how we work together cohesively and following through on a plan. And then also the artists that we had a part of the show was just amazing. They're so talented and so gifted. And to kind of see all of the art come together, it was just so, to me, it was like a breathtaking experience. And I'm not just saying it for clout. I'm just being a hundred because it's one thing to see it on social media, but when it physically be in a space of where you see these art pieces and there's some of them are like bigger than what they normally are. It's just like, Oh my God, this is beautiful. So um, definitely a great experience. And I'm shout out to all the artists who came out was a part of the show it really brought our vision to life and i'm just so excited and i'm still on this high i just can't believe that we put on such a phenomenal show and the the reception that we received from the public about it people were just like they're excited they want the next one they was like when is the next event i'm just like oh hold on we ain't even there yet homie (laughs) facts easy 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 easy. (laughs) so um, that was pretty dope yeah, I definitely got a lot of really good feedback Facts. from friends and family. And listen, I'm going to keep it official. I'm definitely someone who can be spiteful at times. That's one of my character flaws. It's called being a Gemini. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> tomato, tomato. Let's play it on that, shall we? But, like, um, I realize for me personally that's something I really need to work on because a lot of times when people tell me, no, I can't do something or this is not a good idea, I like to just be able to prove them wrong and make them eat their words. But I'm starting to realize, especially after doing that event, like, don't even waste your energy trying to prove other people wrong, trying to, like doing things for other people and their opinions. Because if you do that, you're never going to win. No matter how good you are, people will always find something to critique you, bring you down. So just, just keep that energy focused on your vision and... Sometimes it's even better just to move in quiet. Don't even let no. Don't even let people know what you're doing, and I'm just glad keep you it. Said that. Keep it pushing, and then just move let the work. Silence. Yeah, that's important because some of my friends even always put on this event. I'm the type of person I move in silence. I like to be secretive and just put things out there. You be like, oh, that's the moves you making. Yeah, that's the moves I'm making. Was Gucci. Mm. So like when I put it out there to tell people that what we were doing, we were putting together. Once it was like fully completed, I was excited about that. Sometimes you need to move in silence. I see that with Instagram and like social media, people feel the need to put everything out. 
out there. You don't got to put everything you put out there, like every step of the way. You know what I'm saying? You want to kind of keep some mystery to what you was doing. So I think that's what kind of tied into our success of this event. We kept some kind of mystery going where it was like, oh, I didn't even know you guys was putting this on. And then it happened. It was successful. It sold out. It was great vibes and energy at the event. It yeah. was just a great kind of setup. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm so excited that it was a great turnout and it was really successful. And I'm just looking forward to the next one. Yeah, we definitely got some things in the bag. So be on the lookout for that. Stay Facts. tuned to our social media, the podcast. Um, we definitely got some stuff coming for 2019. So just stay tuned. Yeah. And speaking of... Um, the water challenge. Yes. Coach P water challenge. So we're about to get into the nitty gritty of that. Um, I'm not going friend. Doing a water challenge was a bit, it was challenging for me. Okay. <laughs> um, in part because, um, it was about me drinking two bottles of water in the morning time when I started my day. It was a bit challenging because I did wake up automatically. Mm-hmm. I will give you that. I woke up instantaneously. I was like, oh, wow, I'm up. The problem that I had with it was that I had to stop prior to going to work. So my commute to work is about an hour, mm-hmm. and I will have to stop prior to at like a nearby coffee shop or a McDonald's before I get to work. Like I couldn't hold it. Yeah. But I figured out a solution to it that actually worked out in my favor. Just stand up on my whole um, commute to work. So mm. while I was on the train, I wouldn't sit down. Yeah. Because by me sitting down, and I'm not sure if our listeners or followers have experience, and when you sit on a train, you feel everything. You feel when they, like, you know, they stop abruptly or when they're going through certain parts, and it's like you feel everything when you're sitting down. It is not the same as you standing up. And I realized that. I was like, maybe I should just stand up. So I started standing up on my commute. It's a little annoying because, you know, ideally you want to sit on your commute to work and like, you know, whatever, but I have to stand because when I stand up and I notice that I don't have to pee like as much as if I was to sit down and I could hold it much longer. So when I get to work, it's light. I'm like, Oh, I'm Gucci. Mm -hmm. You know, I could wait a little bit before I pee. (laughs) But like, if I'm sitting down, it's actually really hard because I have to like hold it. And it's, like, difficult situation. And my greatest fear is to, like, pee on myself. Like, I'm not even joking. So I figured out a solution to it. I decided to do that, and it's actually been effective in that regard. But it's just I can't sit down during my commute. Yeah, that that's the thing about – that's the thing I loved about the water challenge because, one, gives you that real boost of energy right away, just yeah. naturally keeping you hydrated, help with that mental clarity. But I think it, it leads to a really important thing. A lot of times when you're trying to get things done in your life and you're trying to create new habits, it can be so easy for us to just try to plug it into what we're mm-hmm. already doing. But sometimes you have to really take a step back and kind of see where does this fit into my lifestyle already and what adjustments I need to make to be able to get this to fit in seamlessly. Um, like for me personally, once I started implementing that about last year, I actually had to, I said to myself, I have to wake up like, an hour earlier just to do this because I can't hold this on the train. I'm going to be, I got to use the bathroom right away. So I think that's something just kind of, and something you're big on really just planning being someone who's, who plans things out to make sure anytime you're implementing new habits into your routine, just being able to be flexible and being able to adapt to things as they change. Because I think a lot of times we can be very rigid in, in our routines and what we do. So if you don't if you don't have that flexibility, it's not going to be able to allow new things to come in and kind of stunt that growth and evolution that we're all trying to accomplish. Yeah, so, very valid. 
Yeah, and I, I really love the water challenge, especially like all the feedback I was getting from people. I noticed that on the IG page, yeah. people were really like consistent with that. Yeah, people were hitting me up, texting me, "Oh, you didn't tell me about the challenge. Like, what is it?" And I'm just like, "Oh, okay, it's lit. Like, let's do this." So yeah, I, that I, that was my favorite part, just the feedback that I was getting from people and people actually coming to me and asking what it is. So I definitely have some other challenges in mind. So definitely stay tuned for that because it's a community. We're just trying to be the best version ourselves together. You know it's going to be lit because he used definitely about several times. So you know what time it is. The water challenge is really good. I'm actually still continuing it after it ended on February 28th, if you guys are paying attention to our previous episodes. Um, and I still continued it. Still have two bottles of water in the morning. And it actually helps me because as I go throughout my day and I think about how much intake of water I had, I'm like, oh, I already knocked out two bottles in the morning. So that's really beneficial. And it's something that I want to keep going. I think water is good to have an intake of it during the day. Um, keep your skin clear and your hair strong and healthy. So that's definitely something I'm going to continue along the road. So thank you for introducing that challenge, Coach P. You know I got you. Mm-hmm. Heard you. You glowing. <laughs> you see the glow, honey. <laughs> yes, no filter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm entering into this progressive glow up. This <laughs> <laughs> progressive glow up. That's exactly what it is. Um, so if you guys have not tried doing a water challenge prior to, you know, when we were doing it together, it's fine. Try to continue on your own or just trying to implement certain parts of it during the week, maybe three, four days a week, having two bottles of water as soon as you wake up drinking them like really quickly it does make a difference and it adds to your day in terms of how much water intake you want to try out so let us know how that goes if you do test it out you know you can always slide in our dms or send us an email so that we can follow through ain't nothing wrong with that but slide in the dms though Mm. (laughs) i'm just thinking about all the funny memes of people sliding into the dms facts facts They're great. Um, moving on. Yeah, so the next thing we're going to talk about is actually our book for our book club. So the new book that we're going to be reading for this one is called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I'm really excited about reading this book because... As you guys can tell, I'm like big into motivational self-help books because I, I don't know. I just I'm always trying to trying to get an edge, seeing what kind of secret tips there are out there to just help me optimize and just be the best version of myself. So I'm excited to read this book. I actually yeah. saw someone reading it on the train the other day. Oh, and I'm, really? Yeah, and I'm like the universe. It's oh, just look at like that. just talking to you, huh? Just, uh-huh. Yeah, because that's Coach P's pick, by the way. So just letting y'all know. Yeah. Okay, cool. So make sure y'all stay tuned with us as we're going to be reading this new book added to our book club. If you read it already, great. We'll be posting it on our social media site so that you can comment below and we can talk about your comments on our next episode. Yes. All I like, right. I like that. I'm glad you do. <laughs> now we're going to switch gears talking about Leaving Neverland documentary. Uh, it's the season of documentaries, apparently. Um, so the four-part documentary aired on HBO March 3rd and March 4th. Now, for those of you who may not know, the documentary was centered around Michael Jackson and allegations about him basically being a sexual predator onto young boys years ago. And immediately following the final part of the documentary, Oprah did an interview with the people who are part of it. It was titled Oprah Winfrey Presents the After Leaving Neverland. Very interesting follow-up. There's been some polarizing views about her doing that, people thinking that it wasn't fair that she did it, and then other people, like, kind of questioning her purpose of doing it, even though, like, I got a lot of clarity from her doing that interview follow-up with them, and I'm sure there's a 
people are going to have their different takes on it, which is perfectly fine. But I think that interview did something for me in terms of providing clarity that was not presented in the documentary as much. The accusers in the documentary are Wade Robinson and James Safechuck. The film director is Dan Reed. Now, please keep in mind, Dan Reed did not feel the need for him to interview anyone who was affiliated with Michael Jackson, even his family, because to him, as he said in the um, follow-up interview with Oprah, it was known that Michael liked to sleep with young boys. It wasn't a surprise factor. He didn't feel the need to interview those people because he wanted the light to be shine on his accusers. And everyone's going to have a different take pertaining to that. That's perfectly fine. I kind of would have wanted an interview on people that was affiliated to Michael or his family, just like similarly to our Kelly documentary. He had people interviewed in that, but they didn't, you know, they weren't pro R. Kelly. They kind of spoke the truth as to what it was. Right. So it would have been nice to see those people speak on Michael Jackson's behalf, whether they agreed or didn't. It would have kind of been great to see both aspects of it. But I understand Dan, um, Dan Reed leaving them out for whatever his reasons are. So Wade did state that he was molested by Michael at the age of seven. He met Michael Jackson when he was five. So when he won a dance competition that was ran by Michael Jackson's company, MJJ Productions. Back in 2013, Wade was trying to sue Michael Jackson's estate by claiming that MJJ Productions and MJJ Ventures were child sex operations in a sense of they specifically designed to locate attract, lure, and seduce child abuse victims. Very interesting. Wayne filed a claim against Jackson's estate and sued both MJJ Productions and MJJ Ventures. In 2015, the claim was thrown out. The judge claimed that the too much time had passed between the alleged abuse and the filing of the claim, which ties into um, statutory limitations. And in 2017, a judge ruled that neither the company, meaning MJJ Productions and MJJ Ventures, was liable for Robinson's exposure to Jackson. Yeah. The other party in the documentary, James Safechuck, in 1987, he was actually introduced to Michael Jackson at 10 years old in that iconic Pepsi commercial. Mm -hmm. It's actually really crazy seeing that commercial and having the context about it now. Yeah, like how's it coming full circles kind of Yeah, weird. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I, I loved that commercial and I thought it was great growing up, but then yeah. kind of getting the backstory, I was just like... Bruh. Ugh. And just, just uh, as a precursor, this has completely changed, like, my perspective on Michael Jackson and yeah. his legacy. But, yeah, so 1987, James at 10 years old was cast in the Pepsi commercial, and that's where he met Michael Jackson. An interesting note that they talked about in the documentary, that was actually his very first time seeing Michael in the commercial when he popped up. So his actual reaction to him was was his genuine, like, oh, my God, that's Michael Jackson. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. So him and Michael instantly had a bond, and Michael invited James and his mother out on tour to on the on his bad tour, and that's where the sexual abuse actually started. So in 1993, during the case involving Evan and Jordan Chandler, Jackson lawyers rehearsed questions and testimony with James. That's one of the things that kind of disturbed me a lot about this documentary is that um, the fact that he. They were they were working with young children and using them as a shield to protect what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, like that really bothered me. Like the way they were talking about some at some points they hadn't heard from Michael in a while, and then once the allegations came out the first time around, 
they, he would just start calling like, yo, you know, I, I'm going to need you to say and do and kind of be that protection for me. And like that, that bothered me a yeah. lot. Like this documentary was difficult for me to watch, especially I watched them straight through. It was it was pretty tough. Mm-hmm. And they actually spoke about how James was the star witness for Michael Jackson and his his attorneys because he sold it very well like Michael they spoke about how he was just very good at essentially doing what we talked about from the R. Kelly documentary being able to create space between his victims and their loved ones so that it it became a us versus them situation which made it which made him protected very well That shit is just annoying. James was mentioned in the court document for Jackson's 2005 trial, which is the second trial for allegations that came out, but he never actually appeared in court, where he cited in the documentary he just didn't want to be a part of it. Like, that takes a lot out of you, and if you're doing that at a young age and then they're being asked to do it for a second time, like, he was like, I'm good, I'm out of this. So. I'm happy for him that he had the courage to step away because I loved Michael Jackson growing up, but I think for me personally, I wasn't really present to how big of a star he was just because I was so young. And the influence he had. Yeah, but like in watching the documentary, like most people, there's like really not that many people at all out today who they walk out and it's just like a freaking zoo people were literally jumping on his cars like holding on to windows I was like this is insane Um, so James ended up filing a lawsuit against Michael in 2014 he alleged Michael Jackson abused him as a child but the complaint was actually dismissed in 2017 and the the documentary was actually featured at Sundance and the reviews for the documentary were going viral and that's when it was picked up by HBO. But that's the thing, though. Like, it was kind of crazy in the context of how um, that happened and the nature of, you know, it was, it was introduced at Sundance. And it was, um, I felt like a lot of the reviews set around the documentary was like, whoa. When I watched the documentary, I didn't have the same gut-wrenching reaction like I did R. Kelly. R. Kelly was like, whoa. Like, I'm not saying that these guys their stance on what happened is belittling anyway. I'm not saying that. I just, my reaction to it was like, wait, what? Like, you knew of allegations in the past about Michael and young boys, but it was just like, but then you, it was told that they lied, that they went on trial, but they lied, that they're, you know, so to me it was like, it was hard to believe because like you had the opportunity to come forward and it wasn't, you didn't follow through on it. You lied, but when they did the, the interview with Oprah, that's why I kind of did it for me, was like they explained it. They were like, you know, he groomed us. And that concept of grooming them, making them think like, if you come out, it's going to ruin you, it's going to ruin me, yeah. it's going to ruin everything. And then on the flip side, they felt guilty. Even as they were doing the interview with Oprah, James, like he just has a very unique, I don't even want to call it unique, he just has a very weird interaction to me. Like he just... He's not comfortable, and you see it. His body language, the way he talks about it, he's so not comfortable. And yeah. that would that's what did it for me. Um, I'm not saying Wade I didn't believe, but, like, James, his reaction, the way he acted in the documentary, even in a follow-up interview with Oprah, it was just, like, it was really uncomfortable for him to talk about this. Yeah. It was extremely uncomfortable. And then the fact of shaking. him... He was shaking. Even when he talked about in the documentary about, apparently, him and Michael had a mock wedding, 
this fuck. shit blew my mind. I was like, the fuck? And he gave him rings and shit. The, yeah, he said like, they, they would try on jewelry pretending it's for a, a it woman. It was a woman, but it was really for him, and it was a mock wedding. And then when you get into the intricacies of the intimacy of what happened between Michael and these young boys, now they talked about in a documentary, which was similar storylines between Wade and James. It was like, you know, he'll touch them in their private parts, which is their penis, and then he'll they'll touch him back in return and then he'll perform oral on them and then he'll perform it on them. And then it's like a back and forth thing. And then Michael had this thing where he liked his nipples to be touched. It was a lot going on, you know, like have your moment Pierre. but it was a lot going on. And I was just kind of like, this is very interesting. Like, so to me, when I was watching, I was like, this is a little weird. Like it wasn't like, I was like, I threw out what they said, but it was, I'm going to keep it all the way on it because we on unapologetically different podcasts. I was just like, this is weird. Like, how is it a person who was not only an icon and this, that, and third, who claimed he had love for children, turn around and do this? But then again, on the flip side, I was like, look at R. Kelly. Ain't nobody exempt from what they're doing to these young minors. You know, and just because Jackson put on this, persona that he was for kids because he lacked a childhood growing up because he was in a spotlight doesn't mean he wasn't doing shady things behind closed doors and to me as much as the conversation becomes why now why are you coming forward now he's not alive but we all knew that michael it wasn't like it was unknown that michael was sleeping with young boys and my thing is first of all i don't care what childhood you lack you as a grown man sleeping with young boys cannot make up for what you lack as a childhood. And to me, you're a grown man sleeping with random young boys. You ain't sleeping with your son. You're sleeping with other people's kids. And how does that bring you comfort to the fact that you lacked a childhood? Yeah. So as much as people like to say, oh, well, you know, he loved kids and he didn't have a childhood. And okay, if he wasn't Michael Jackson, that was your son. And he was sleeping with a grown man in his bed. Would you be okay with that? Because yeah. he lacked a childhood. And if you could honestly say no, you wouldn't be okay with that. Why does Michael Jackson get a pass? Yeah, I, I think for me the the point that I like kind of was really different between R. Kelly and Michael Jackson for me. With R. Kelly, I felt like I knew like the tape. It's obviously R. Yeah, Kelly, seen, yeah. like pissing all over people. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then kind of how they talked about it um, in the documentary, like. Men going after younger women like this is not like something new. With Michael, like he, it's sad they called him Wacko Jacko because he was like weird, getting a skin bleach, all that extra extra stuff that he was doing. He claimed he had a disease, right? <laughs> right. I don't know how true that is. He was just getting lighter and lighter. <laughs> I don't know how true that is. I was like, well, that's a hell of a disease, bro. Some pictures he looked like. <laughs> well, clearly it didn't mesh well because one of the accusers said when he was giving him head, he, he felt said, the brillo like, hair. Yeah, he was like, like it was so rough. <laughs> He's like, I'll never forget it. It felt like a brillo pad. That got me annoyed when he said that. I can't I was for like, it. what was the basis of you saying that? But then I was like, you know, whatever. But I was like, I could have sworn his hair looked straight, though. Right. So was it the patch right there in the back? But then I was like, you know, I'm mean, not going to get into nitty gritty. Head is head is head. <laughs> so it's like, hey. But like with R. Kelly, in my mind, I knew he did it and he was having sex with younger women. And again, I was young at that time. So it's kind of like I, I wasn't really thinking about that. I didn't really care. I need you to say young girls because women oh, is completely different Oh, you're 100% right. I apologize. Bro. Right. Yes, he was young having girls. sex with teenagers. Let's yes. call it what it is. And he hit puberty. But with the Michael Jackson thing, I just always thought he 
it's just weird that he's having kids sleep over, but he has like a in Neverland. Like right. I was like, what is going on? Where, and my thing was, where are the parents? I'm not excusing his behavior. I'm not doing that. But like, and even Wade and James, they they have family issues. That's what made me kind of believe it even more because like they're not cool with their family. Like James said, me and my mom are not where we would be because I don't forgive her. The parents benefited from the fame and going on tour and doing all of that. And then one of the parents said they stood at the door waiting to hear something of some sort. And I believe they knocked on the door. Michael came out. Not sure what she was expecting to hear. But it was like, you knew. And those parents don't get a pass. You knew that your child being in bed or sleeping, having a summer party with a grown-ass man was not normal. No matter if he was an entertainer or not. If he was Tyrone from the hood, would you be okay with that? Nah. That wouldn't even, because he likes Skin Michael, he get a pass with the curly hair, the wet and wavy? He get a pass? <laughs> the wet and wavy. <laughs> I'm just with the, saying. With the sweet voice. With the sweet voice. <laughs> oh, gosh. And the little notes he was drawing to them. I'm like, oh, we, this is what we, bruh. Yeah, that was OD. I love you. I miss you. I, I, t- t- for me, it's it's a rap. Like I could it's care less. Some people they can separate the artists and nah, fuck that. Ain't no music that strong art. for me to be rocking with, bro. Yeah, Mm-mm. like personally, I, I know I I used to love Michael Jackson songs, but I never would like search for them and really play them like that for me personally. But now I'm literally disgusted by it because. Yeah. Again, with R. Kelly's situation, he knew exactly what he was doing. He was manipulating the whole situation the whole time. Mm-hmm. He, at one point, they said in the documentary that he would tell the mom, yeah, you should tell him to not hold my hands in public. People are going to get ideas. Nothing's happening, but people are going to get ideas. And I'm just like, this motherfucker. <laughs> like, like, seriously? <laughs> that shit literally got me tight. Bruh, I don't know. I just think that. And they were seven. They were seven and seven. ten. Like, seven and ten. And, and again, sexual abuse, especially with a child, a minor, is wrong in any, in any shape capacity. or form. Yeah. But literally, these kids haven't even hit puberty yet. They're literally fetuses. Like, Basically. I'm tight. That and But my thing is, okay, these two, I know people's been like, well, it's the same guys that came out in the past, James and Wade, who basically lied in the past i know that's people claiming i guess for me i would like to see more guys come forward because i can't i just don't necessarily believe it's just these dudes i definitely think it's more there were two more that's why that is definitely why james played a part in the trial of that one but i want to know what other ones happened that we don't know about because i think it's going to be like a cosby effect people want to see more bodies come out they want to see, oh, let's see how many heads come out if this was really true. So um, I just, to me, the documentary, like I said, go back to my point. I just, I'm not saying I don't believe it. It was just weird watching. It was like, this is very weird. Like, and I wish that the guy who actually, the director, Reed, who did it, like, were there other boys who felt that it wasn't just these two what about the other ones that came to service not like the r kelly one was like numerous chicks came to service. i don't even know who half of these chicks was yeah like this one i knew of wade you know but it was like i wish it was more guys that came forward to speak to their story not saying that their stories are in are not important and they should not be um a light should not be shown on them maybe they were the only two that felt comfortable coming forward 
Who knows? But I thought what was interesting is in the Oprah follow-up interview, Oprah already getting enough critique about it anyway. People are like, why are you doing this? And why, you know, it just makes you look funny that you're involved in this. But keep in mind, Oprah did on her show, did dedicate an episode years ago about um, men who were assaulted at a young age. And actually, it was a very impactful show. And she talked about it in that interview with Wade and James. She said, I did an episode where I had all the men in the audience take have a picture up of when the last when they were molested at that age it was such an impactful episode and then when she re-showed it was like oh wow that's dope and one of the guys from it were actually there in the audience speaking to that he was molested by the sheriff in his town and i'm not faulting oprah for partaking in this and doing an interview and doing a follow-up i'm not sure what her motives or agenda are it is what it is at this point i'm not gonna divulge into that more so because it happened you know what i'm saying and i think a lot was shown on her doing that interview. It was somebody else, probably not as much credibility or people would have paid attention to because Oprah did it. was like, wait, you did a whole follow-up interview with the Michael Jackson accusers, you against the community and blah, 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 whatever falls in lines with that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much loyalty we're supposed to have to our community as black people. It is what it is. If you're in fault and you're wrong, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? How much more are we supposed to do? I'm not, like I said, I don't know what her motives are, but I will say that during that interview, it gave me clarity as to why they did a documentary. I actually got more from that follow-up interview than I did from the documentary. Um, also, too, in the documentary, she, also, too, in the interview, she asked them, she said, if Michael Jackson was still alive, would you have done this? And they both paused. They couldn't answer, which I thought was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I get it. If he was still alive, would you have done this documentary you probably would have felt bad but then again i think of it where we're at i think part of the reason why this documentary came to light and why it's important is because of the me too movement people are being held accountable from the harvey weinstein to the r kelly's people and people are being held accountable for their actions and what they're doing you know so whether this came forward years later it came forward and now everybody knows what's going on are we supposed to wait a gazillion years down the line like i'm not sure at the end of the day michael jackson is dead so it came out, you know what I'm saying? Whether you want to look at him differently or you don't, that's on you. You know what I'm saying? That's your own judgment to make. But I also, a part of me was like, I wish this was done when he was alive because then it would have been a counter. Whether the counter would have been valid or not, whether it would have been a Gale interview or not, like R. Kelly looking <laughs> like a You're killing me crazy. with this shit. <laughs> I'm fighting for my life, bro. This nigga. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't know if we would have got cam- <laughs> These cameras on? <laughs> My blood pressure. Nah. I'm Miguel. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Stoic. <laughs> so, I don't know. But I, I'm going to keep it a hundred. I would have wished Michael was alive for this. You know what I'm saying? Because when she asked him that in the follow-up interview, I was like, that's a really good question that she asked that. And the fact that they paused, I'm like, if he was alive, would you have done this documentary? And I would like to see him alive to see what his counter would have been. Whether it would have been, he would have been in denial or not, it would have been kind of see what he says. And that's the thing, I think, a larger spectrum of it is people saying, yo, he's not alive. He can't really speak up for himself. The only people that's really speaking on his behalf is, is his estate and they're actually in the process of suing HBO. So stay tuned for that. Just want to give a quick shout out to the internet because those R. Kelly <laughs> memes are just hilarious. <laughs> we say the internet black Twitter. Literally. <laughs> black Twitter be on some shady shit, bro. There was one, it was like when your job asked you to stay for overtime. It was like, <laughs> y'all killing me with this shit. 
I was dead. I was dead. <laughs> and I'm like, I can relate to that yeah, so much. Oh my god. Nah. Um, speaking of, and I'm glad we actually ended on with the R. Kelly interview. I'ma keep it a hundred. I didn't watch an interview with him and Gil. First of all, I didn't want to give him any ratings and He's bullshitting. He's putting on performance. He's acting. That's what he does, apparently. And I did not. I was against watching it. From day one, when they put it out there that he was doing an interview, I was like, no, you're a despicable individual. We know you're guilty. Cut the shit. But Coach P is going to get into his views about it because he did watch it. Yeah, so R. Kelly sat down with Gail King of CBS to conduct his first interview to conduct his first interview since the new allegations dropped. Um there was a, a grand jury in Cook County, Illinois, that indicted Kelly on 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse, which is a class two felony. And it involved four alleged victims, one including one being one of the girls who was on the original tape that came out years ago where R. Kelly paid her. She was 14, Sparkle's little cousin. So, so that's back in the news. And... The the three out of the four children, they didn't give a specific age, but they mentioned that they're between the ages of 13 and 17. So three out of the four are minors. R. Kelly pleaded not guilty, and he actually was in prison for three days from February 22nd to the 25th, but posted bail of 100000 Even though he didn't even have the money to post a bail, they said a, a woman acquaintance of his got the money together to post a bail for him to get him out of jail. Yeah, and then then he subsequently went and did the interview. So in the interview, as you guys, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it over the I internet. I saw the clips. <laughs> Bruh, his little meltdown, though. Yeah, he vehemently denied that he was um, guilty of anything. He spoke about him not being a devil sure. and people were painting no. him as Lucifer. No. And then he claimed it was an attack on his character. They were Aww. trying to assassinate his character. Well, I'm sure they were. But he said, it was interesting, he said, they're trying to bury me alive, but I'm alive and I'm going to come back. And I was just like, okay, Kelly. Bro, RCA dropped you. I'm not sure how alive you could come back from that, but heard you though. Yeah, and, and he can't even pay bail, so. So that speaks a lot. I mean, it takes a lot of money for you to hold people for hostage, so I'm sure that's why you don't have the funds. Seriously. You, you a, have a whole staff. Exactly, a whole, a whole hostage crew. <laughs> I, I really don't understand how the people who were aiding and abetting him were not kind of brought into this as well. Like, they're getting scot-free. I think that's crazy, but that's neither here nor there. But R. Kelly did point to the fact that because of his celebrity status, that it's so very easy for rumors and lies oh. to get spread about him. Mm. I do want to point out the fact that because he's a celebrity, also with social media and the Internet— and especially with Donald Trump in office now, fake news can spread very easily and kind of can just get that momentum. But these allegations have been going on for literally decades with R. Kelly. This wasn't this didn't start in the social media era. This is coming back Prior out. To. Right. As you said, because of the Me Too times up, people are becoming more emboldened and feeling more safe to come out and and bring their <clears throat> bring their the attackers and their the people that have hurt them and make them accountable for it. So it sounds nice. Yeah, I'm a celebrity. Social media is trying to ruin me. But everyone know you've been doing this since back, back, back in the day. So Back in the day. Yeah. Um, and not only did Gail interview R. Kelly, 
She also interviewed Jocelyn Savage and Azriel Clary, along with both of their parents this week. And their interview with Azriel Clary and Jocelyn Savage, that was very interesting to me because both of the girls claimed that they didn't they didn't have any um both of the girls claimed that they didn't want to pursue a music career. Yeah. And when you watch a docuseries, that was usually the, the selling point. point. Right. I'm working with him. Right. And and that was like a occurring theme. I'm going to help you with your career. I'm going to get your music out there. With Aaliyah, it, that was the case. With um, Sparkle, with Sparkle's little cousin, she was a rapper. It was always, I'm this amazing pop star and I'm going to help advance your career. So that just was an instant like, red flag like how are you literally saying that you had no interest in a music career but the documentary and people are literally pulling receipts like on twitter oh check out this video of her sharing her performances and youtube videos so that was suspect right off the bat and then on top of that both of the girls claim that are that their parents were trying to get money from r kelly and they were quote-unquote pimping them out to get funds from him but the both of the parents or set of parents refuted that claim and said they never asked r kelly for anything they just hadn't seen their daughter in in two plus years so their whole thing was our daughters are brainwashed we haven't seen them they're out of school and Mm -hmm. we just want to know that our kids are safe and not with a 50 he's 52 52 that's crazy girls in their 20s like what kind of child and the last point about the interview with the the two girlfriends that was really like kind of scary to me was Gail came out and said after the fact that while she was conducting the interview, R. Kelly had agreed to not be in the room so the women could speak freely. But he actually entered into the room in the middle of the interview and then cleared his throat loud enough so that the girls could actually hear and see that he was in the room. And they actually have clips online where you hear the Kim clearing his throat in the background and then they'll like quickly glance over, then continue. And it's just like, damn, if there was any chance that they would have came out and kind of spoken out against him, it that was shut down once he's in the room. Because what we saw when we were watching that documentary, this abuse is something that happens gradually over time. And these victims get that Stockholm syndrome where they they can't leave their abusers. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not easy to leave. So he was literally standing in the room, hovering over them. And that's just like, how do you say I'm not going to come in? And then you do it and you make it clear, like, yo, I'm in here. You better watch what you're saying. So, But that speaks a lot about his character and what he has to hide. And also, too, I saw that... Um Gail did an interview with um on a Steve Colbert show, and she spoke about that. She was just like, you know, I thought that he wasn't there, but he actually was, and he cleared his throat. And I was just kind of like, come on, bro, like I was like, I'm not watching this interview because you want sympathy, you want all of this shit, you you on you on your whole tantrum, acting like you five years old, somebody took stole a lollipop from you. No, you're guilty as fuck. And if you have nothing to hide, why can't you trust these two girls to do an interview freely without you being present and you without you actually being involved? That's problematic. Yeah. That means that you play a part in controlling them as to what they say and do. And that's a whole other issue that he does not take any accountability for. At the end of the day, lock his ass up. He's guilty as fuck. And that's what it is. You lived a good life. You know, he came into fame around the age of 20. He's 52. 30 years, you have millions. You know what I mean? You was dripping in money. 
Now it's time for you to lock it up and go do time in jail. Like, at the end of the day, you destroyed a lot of young girls' lives. Like, mm-hmm. and if we want to get more specific, like, Aaliyah, she didn't get to live her life and then she died. You know what I'm saying? Like, you out here fucking up girls' lives. And then when she, when Gail asked him a question, I guess, pertaining to what kind of woman, he wasn't even honest about it. I like, there's a difference between liking a girl who's 18 and less than a grown woman. There's two differences. And for you not to understand that as a man, like, yo, she's 13, and you can't see the difference between a 13-year-old and a 40-year-old woman, that's a problem. Like, own up to your shit and claim it for what it is. You lived a good life. Now it's time for you to buckle up and go to jail. Yeah. He, do what you do. And speaking of going to jail, he's actually in jail right now for unpaid child support of about 160000 to Andrea Kelly. So his legal fees and his troubles are just mounting up. So right now he's still currently locked up. Then they're trying to raise money to get to get them out but I mean keeping these chicks for hostage costs a pretty penny facts but it's unfortunate they matter more than your kids keeping Chicago PD on payroll Hello. so they can tip you off when, facts. when it's gonna when be they checked doing wellness checks yeah facts so I didn't watch it for that specific reason I was like I'm not giving this dude any more attention until he's locked up I'll watch that that's something worth watching um, but Gail had received a lot of reviews pertaining to how she conducted herself during the interview what I will say is this and I read a think piece about it is that I didn't like the concept of, oh, she was, she was you know, the way she carried herself and her composure. There was no protection of her. It was of him. When he stood out, his crew came out to, to bring him down and kind of, you know, simmer him down. But there was no protection of her. And I think it's a concept of how black women should carry on and conduct themselves in that kind of environment. And I feel like there should be... I understand the public praising her, like, how she composed herself, but at the same time, it's like, that's expecting of us. It's like, you're supposed to act accordingly. And in that moment, she could have easily reacted any kind of way. And if she had went left and acted outright, would would she have received the same kind of... Would she have received the same kind of reception that she's getting from the public like oh you're composing yourself accordingly because to me it was like in that interview him standing up carrying on being belligerent i would be like hold up you gotta sit down this shit ain't it bro like you gotta have a whole entire seat because what you about to do you know what i'm saying like and i felt like the way she carried herself it was praised on but it's like that's what's expecting of black women and it's just like we have feelings we have emotions we could act out we could be indifferent and we could still be who we are and we deserve the respect that we get right so i was really bothered by the reception of the public of like oh she composed herself very well and she acted accordingly and this was like fuck that i would have been fine if she acted outright because it was like yo what you standing up carrying on being emotional for you guilty as fuck and that's the reality of it like you feel bad for what you did and it's coming to service everybody's seeing you for who you are and you can't act right yeah claim it for what it is but don't sit up here and be like oh she acted according i didn't i didn't really like that because i didn't have any expectations with gail she got up and she got rowdy and she was on some hood shit i was like yo what's gucci where the tim's at like I would have been fine with that but it's like I didn't like the fact that it's expecting of her to act accordingly in that manner and it was no protection of her and it's like once again black women expect to act and be a certain way and it was just like but he's allowed to carry on all kinds of crazy and his mans came to try to hold him but it was like that wasn't nothing for me and that was another reason when I saw that in the clip I was just like where's the protection of her and then the media really speaking and praising her for acting accordingly it's like oh you, you did a good job it was like nah fuck that I would have been fine if she acted out if she just got hood and be like what's Gucci what you wanna do <laughs> let me let me know we could put these cameras on off what you wanna do take off the heels put on the Vaseline like, you know what I'm saying like, like for real so I would have respected her regardless of the fact how she carried on. I just didn't like the fact that 
by the media and people's public perception of how she acted was like, no, that's not okay. Like, a woman should not have to be in that moment. She was kind of verbally abused. Yeah. You know, like, and she was supposed to intake that for interview. Like, no, that's bullshit. So I didn't like that part, but... Hey, I respect her for doing the interview, for following through on it. I don't know if that would have been me. I would have had to cut it short. <clears throat> but it is what it is. But it brought to light the kind of person he is. And to me, he didn't get any kind of sympathy. I was like, I'm not. you're not getting any of my ratings. I'm not watching you. We know you're a piece of shit. It's time for you to get locked up. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah. Honestly. I'm over these. I'm over it. <laughs> you over it? R. Kelly. He <laughs> was uh, like, fuck these legends. I'm on some other shit. Yeah. Bruh. R. Kelly, Michael Jackson, just all of it. I'm I'm just kind of gassed at this point. I respect it. All right, now, folks, we're going to get into Key's Tea. Yes. <laughs> New segment alert. <laughs> so, so Jesse Smollett <laughs> was indicted by Chicago Grand Jury for 16 felony counts of disorderly conduct. I'm sure what's going on with this jesse smollett case um i still believe him i still stand by his side i do believe that the chicago pd is behind this and they're misconstruing the information things are not consistent with this case since it came to surface i'm gonna keep it 100 so that's my take on it i'm waiting for more things to come to light i i'm not sure what the jury's working off of to come with 16 counts felony counts which to me is problematic within its own right and they're not stating factual reasons keep in mind when the two guys who attacked um, Jesse Smollett, they stated that Jesse paid him to do it. But after they actually conducted further investigation, Jesse Smollett had paid him to do training services because they were his trainer. So there was no correlations of him paying them for the attack, which yet we have no evidence to prove that. So as of right now, I'm still sticking by Jesse's side. I think this whole situation is weird as fuck. I'm like, I don't even know how it started out from an attack. Now it's being orchestrated. Now he was dropped from Empire. People's on his side. Some people are not. I'm still standing by his side. I want to follow this whole thing through because I don't believe that he lied and he made it up. I'm just going to keep it 100. Another aspect of Marquis T, which I want to dive into, since this is the years of the documentaries and mm -hmm. people are so fixated about black men, you know, being penalized for their charges, you know, the R. Kelly and the Michael Jackson. Keep in mind, Harvey Weinstein had a documentary dropped on Sundance and it was called Untouchable. Now, it was a documentary about Weinstein and his sexual predator ways. Nobody really knew about as much. It may not have got as much media attention as the R. Kelly and the Michael Jackson documentary. Now, keep in mind, it wasn't as, like, controversial as those. Because when you look into Harvey Weinstein's situation, it wasn't a matter of him, you know, sabotaging girls from their families, i.e. R. Kelly, and keeping them in his home. You know, I'm having them pissing and shitting in buckets. So let's be real about that. It wasn't him pulling on uh, Michael Jackson and playing with their penises and having their parents out on tour. Now, I'm not saying I'm not absolving Harvey Weinstein from the shit that he did, but a part of the documentary that you can walk away from is that he did assault his own staffers and his execs knew about it which is really interesting. So they were all kind of in on what he was doing, which similarly to R. Kelly, people around him knew what he was doing, and they still played a part in it. The media feared for Harvey Weinstein because he was so powerful. So apparently, at an event, Harvey Weinstein, um, a journalist came up to him, wanted to interview him about you know, his sexual predator ways. He was really upset about it, and as a result, he kind of got into it 
in a verbal instance with that person, but then it led to her boyfriend playing a part into it, and it became like an actual physical altercation. Now, what I thought was really interesting was there was pictures of this physical altercation because allegedly Harvey Weinstein had the person in a headlock, and there was pictures of it. <laughs> None of the pictures came to surface. Because that's how much control this dude has when it comes to the media. So think about that. Someone having so much control that even if there was any kind of story or anything coming to light, he can control it being put out there because of the control that he has pertaining to media. Yeah. Um, he hired a private investigator to dig up dirt on his victims so that if they try to come out and say something against him, he has something to work with back in return, which is really interesting. And also, too, his victims are still afraid to come forward and retaliate. Rosanna Arquette spoke about this and said that how she still can't get an agent in the film industry because of the fact that she came forward speaking about Harvey Weinstein. So I know a lot of people like to go back and forth and say, oh, well, you know, y'all only fixate on the black men. Now, keep in mind, in the rise of the mean two, part of the reason why Me Too became a thing was because of Harvey Weinstein. He was a start of it. He was a root of it. People were coming. Women were coming forward. White women were coming forward. So I want us to be cognizant of those things and not think that, oh, this is only... And I want people to be cognizant of what we discuss on our show. Don't think, oh, Coach P and I just want to target black men and black artists and black men in entertainment. The reality is the Me Too and the Time's Up is a serious movement that we're a part of. And for us to kind of throw it away and shy away from it because, oh, they're black people. What does that say about us as individuals? Black, white, or purple, you wrong, you wrong, you wrong. And you're going to be fully prosecuted, whether that's through the court system or that, whether that's through the public. We got to call you out on your bullshit. We call our Kelly. We call um, Michael Jackson. We got to call our Harvey Weinstein. We've been what's calling him out on his bullshit. We waiting for more stuff to come to service about that. And as the documentary come full force and more people are talking about, we will address it on our show. So that's Keys T for y'all. Damn. Preach. Ooh. You know I do what I can when I get it done, honey. Hit him with the snaps. <laughs> now we about to get into Coach P dropping gems. Mm-hmm. So on this episode, uh, Coach P dropping gems, I want to talk about something specific called Blue Zones. I actually had a conversation with one of my friends the other day because I have this thing where I want to live to 100 years old. I want to... Oh, that's nice. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, I want to be vibrant. I want to be like... I want to be doing it all, having sex when I'm old, being able to play with my grandchildren. Just I want to bust I, a couple nuts <laughs> in my 80s. It's for real. No, no Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but seriously, I think um, a lot of times we get very, um, we kind of think, oh, I'm going to hit 30 and everything goes downhill from there. But that doesn't really have to be how life goes for you. And yes. a lot of that is based on your environment and how you actually go about mm-hmm. your life. So a blue zone is a non-scientific term given to certain geographic areas that are home to some of the world's oldest people. So Dan Butner is a National Geographic fellow and New York Times best-selling author. And he actually wrote the book, The Blue Zones, Lessons for Living Longer from People Who Have Lived the Longest. And I just wanted to highlight some points from that book to kind of just to give you some keys that you can actually take into your life to actually live a long, vital, healthy life. And just to give you guys a quick uh, precursor to that, I recently picked up a bad habit, which is vaping. 
And yeah, yeah, it's definitely not a good habit, not something that I'm proud of doing. And I I definitely got to kick that habit because it's just not consistent with where I want to go and where I see myself going in terms of my health and my fitness. And one of my friends actually called me out on it. He was like, bro, like you said you want to live to 100 years old. You know, every time you hit that pen, you're you're taking off like a few months. And I'm just like, first of all, how do you even remember that I said that? And it just made me get present to everything you put out there in the universe. People are listening. People hear what you're saying. Facts. So you really want to try to be consistent with what you say and your actions. So that made me get present to the blue zones and that goal of mine of living to 100. So it's really all about your lifestyle. And one thing I want to point out is we as humans make things super complicated for no reason. Like if you just kind of make things simple for yourself, life can be simple. So with that being said, these people that are in these blue zones that are living into ripe old age and are actually vital and moving around, they have incorporated a healthy diet, daily exercise, low stress. They incorporate a lot of family time, purpose, religion, and meaning into their life. And those those concepts are so simple, but when you actually are consciously doing that and implementing all those things, those are going to be the things that are going to promote a healthy and long life for you. So the gift of long and a healthy life is already in all of our hands. We all have that possibility of doing it, but we just have to make that conscious decision to act on it and take the actions necessary to make that happen. So like we all know, eating a healthy diet such as a healthy diet that's loaded in vegetables, fruits, fish, nuts, and low on meat, Mm -hmm. sugar, fat, and toxin-filled processed foods, which is very common in our society. Nuts are good. Huh? (laughs) They are. They're very healthy. (laughs) Depends on how you take them. Oh, my. I'm just saying. Like, we're just piggyback offing off the nuts. You know what's crazy? (laughs) You'd be making me cringe when you say stuff like that, but I'd definitely be setting you up for it. I'll be like lobbing it up just so you can. <laughs> Nuts are good. They're they're good. They're proteins. Yeah. They're like, yeah. Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> More nuts. Everyone needs more nuts in their life. Of course. Um, mm-hmm. Also, just the concept of when you pollute your body, it suffers. Your body actually sends you signals. When you're not getting sleep, you may have pains in your body. Or if you're stressed out at work, you may be getting those migraines. And so your body is constantly giving you signals about what's working or what's not working. It, it gives you that actual output. So just really getting present to that and actually kind of hearing what your body's saying to you and taking like... Even even if it's two minutes a day, like you're having a long, stressful day, stopping and kind of just seeing, like, what is my body telling me right now? Am I tired? Can you give an example of that? Since you've been on this fitness journey, you've been posting on the IG stories. I hope you guys have been following us. He's been showing his abs or lack thereof of <laughs> lately. Um, <laughs> when has your body spoken to you where you're just like, all right, I need to change things up? Um, Honestly, today. I actually went to the gym three days in a row, but the okay. the... I went to the gym late and I was in there till about 10 o'clock. I didn't get to bed until 1 and I woke up at 5 to hit the gym the next morning. Was and, that subsequent the vapor? Huh? Yes, I was definitely hitting the vape that night too. And okay. n- now today, like three days later, I'm actually getting bad pain in my shoulders and my back. Like it's really tight. And I went to see Captain Marvel today and d- in the movie, I literally, it was lit and I just fell asleep. And that's me telling me like, yo, 
you're not getting enough sleep. Yeah. You're doing all this physical exercise, which is breaking down your body, but mm-hmm. you're not getting enough sleep. So during the day, I'm literally like spacing out. And sometimes you even bring that up during the show. Sometimes like I'm just zoning out because yeah. because of that lack of sleep. And that's just a natural response. So kind of getting present to that and realize, okay, my body's telling me I'm not getting enough sleep or I'm falling asleep or I'm spacing out. What do I got to do to recorrect that and get back on course? So that's that's just an example of that. Um, and just another one, we've been doing meditations that I've been leading at, at work. And yes. I've realized, especially when I'm having a very stressful or um, taxing mental work day, like I'll, my head will be throbbing, but I don't even notice that until I stop. I sit there, close my eyes, and just kind of check in. Like, how does my head feel? How does my shoulders feel? Mm -hmm. How does my stomach feel? Like, kind of just doing a body scan. And then once once you do that body scan, you kind of see, like, oh, I have some tightness here, some discomfort here, some throbbing here, Mm -hmm. or this feels good. But a lot of times we're just going, 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 going. You don't even realize that, like, because you're not present to it. We're just so focused on getting the bag, putting on the event, working the podcast, doing our jobs, hanging out with our friends. So really taking a second to see what your body's telling you and acting accordingly. Mm -hmm. That's very important. Um, another, Another aspect that these people in the blue zones do, they really incorporate a healthy lifestyle in terms of being active mm-hmm. where their work is working in the field or they have jobs where they're they're walking a lot, lifting, they're just yeah. moving their bodies. And I think you're a perfect example of that because when we worked together a few years ago, your body has drastically changed. You yeah. look and snatched right now, you're but <laughs> thank you, thank you. and I think you can speak to that very much so how yes, once you started your real estate, you literally were just walking everywhere. And yeah. just the simple fact of walking five hours out of the day, four hours versus sitting down for eight, ten it hours. Definitely your body makes a difference. Yeah. So that's one thing that these people in the blue zones, they're living lifestyles where they're just constantly active. You don't have to go to the gym to lift weights. You don't have to um be in a spin class. If you're just naturally moving and just being out in the world, not sitting down all the time and being sedentary, you're gonna get really good results for your body. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, that that's one that's another very important point. And then this actually this last point I want to make these people they're very big on family, keeping strong connections, strong family ties, and finding purpose in their life and Mm -hmm. meaning. And I think they highlighted this in the actual Michael Jackson documentary where um, I believe it was Wade's family where they ended up leaving the father in Australia to come to America so Wade could focus on his career Mm -hmm. and, and the mom could get her career going as well and the father's mental health dramatically deteriorated once his family got separated from him he knew they were never coming back and then once his son finally moved out from the home he committed suicide and it just really shows you how important to us as humans that connection Mm -hmm. is it's very important to us when you don't have that real connection or some sort of purpose keeping you tied to this earth your body will deteriorate and it makes me think about like 
having nervous breakdowns. Like just even hearing that word, just breaking down, your body literally breaks down from that anxiety, from that stress that you apply to it. So just having something that you're passionate about, something that you can look forward to every single morning Mm -hmm. and wake up and do and just be excited about doing, like us doing this podcast and different things that we have coming up, or just having a real strong connection, someone you can share with. Like the victims of Michael Jackson documentary, they were suffering big time because they were alone. They couldn't share anything about their abuse because if Michael told them, we're going to go to jail if you tell anyone about this. So there was just that internal suffering. So really just being conscious to having real genuine connections with people and just taking time to find something that you're really passionate about in your life that you want to pursue that's going to give you a reason to get out of bed. Instead of just waking up each day and kind of just seeing where the day takes you and Mm -hmm. just being blown in the wind by everyone else's demands and reacting to life, having something that you're working towards, that's going to be one of the main driving factors for longevity. And that's something that the people in these blue zones have really um accomplished and it's showing they're living into the hundreds and they're just living vibrant lives they're not 60 years old in wheelchairs popping viagra pills trying to have kids like sorry have sex so um yeah it's very it's something for me i I really got present to it this week and just gonna help me get back on course because 30 is the is coming up very shortly and i'm trying to look like i said the best i've ever looked i've i've made a lot of progress i've had some step backs as well some setbacks as well but it's all about just staying consistent knowing what that end goal is and just continue to work towards that shout out to coach p for dropping gems i appreciate that i appreciate you i'm I'm sure you do the blue zone people i'm really motivated by what they're doing and that makes me want to propel and live a better life as well but baby steps i'm not perfect um and i'm learning through my habits and things that may not work for me but i'm i always aim to be perfect but at the same time i'm just like you learn a lot through your imperfections and i think that's what makes us ideal individuals on this planet Mm -hmm. so um wherever works for you whether you want to live that perfect life or you just want to build up to that point or you just still trying to figure out who you are definitely monitor you know your transition through life and don't one of the biggest lessons I've learned from my life coach is be gentle with yourself. Mm. And it's something that I reinforce with myself all the time. Even with the art trials, like be gentle, be gentle with myself. You know, set expectations and try to live up to it. But if I don't, don't discount myself for that matter. So for those people who are trying to live a good, fulfilling life, it takes time. But, you know, be consistent and make sure you follow through and just be true to who you are. You mm. know, we're advocates of that. One of our main models is be who you are. So be who you are and be satisfied with who you are. You know, try not to be something that you're not for other people yes well said i love it glad we ended on that note thank you coach p for dropping them gems thank you for that tiki Mm -hmm, of course of course of course so once again guys thank you for tuning in make sure if you haven't done so already you purchase that ringtone playing all silky smooth in the ears right now you know you want that ringtone yes you Mm -hmm. can get that at the tune store for android users and at the itunes store for apple users also please follow us on instagram and twitter at unapologetic d underscore and you can make donations to our patreon account by searching unapologetically different and finally you can find our show on itunes soundcloud stitcher google play and now spotify stay tuned for our next episode bye